0: Hello and welcome back to another strange summer edition, the last strange summer edition of Porcelain Peak. The strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the finale stuff in between. (laughs) I am one of your hosts and I am always joined by John. What's up, Anthony? How's it going, man?
1: It's going pretty all right. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, uh, checked a very particular movie off of my, uh, my shameful misses list and
0: I'll, I'll say I'm affected by it. I think that that's fair. So yeah. like John mentioned, we are going to be talking about two of our shameful misses. So I will be talking about one of mine, which we screened last night of compared to the day of recording and John watched one of his shameful misses today, just before recording. And so we are going to dive down into those. And then after that, we are going to be talking about the final two episodes of season three of Stranger Things. I am stoked. Yeah. It took me a long time. I just watched it. And it's been out for almost a month. So that's. It's pretty good strength on my end. Because <laughs> like I mentioned before, everybody that started it has finished it. I don't know anybody that's in the middle.
1: Dude, I am so glad to be able to actually talk to you about these things. <laughs> and make references to things that happened in the final episode. Uh, there have been things I've wanted to say talking about these episodes leading up to. Based on the groups and the way that they're separated. I've wanted to call a particular group a particular thing for Four weeks now, and I can <laughs> finally do it.
0: Which one's the Scoop's Troop. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's the fucking best thing I've ever heard, and I've been wanting to say Scoop's Troop since week one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I was really stoked that they all had those code names, and they all worked really well. Yeah. Um, after that, we're going to hit our watch list share some stuff with you guys, but I want to go ahead and jump into our new segment because we got a ton of stuff for you guys because Comic-Con... Just announced a ton of shit. So yeah. I'm gonna pass that over to John. He's gonna tell you all about that. This is it, gentlemen. You're big right TV.
1: Not the, the biggest piece of news is gonna be all of the Hall H announcements from the Marvel panel. Uh, we basically got our entire roadmap for phase four, at least what they have on the docket with specific release dates now. And I think that they've, they've learned from some of the mistakes they've made in the past. Where when they started the process for phase three, they gave us every last detail, broke everything down and gave us all of the dates, let us know exactly when things were like, like the small window where they were coming out. And I think that rather than going that route for like a five or a six year plan, they broke things down into just a couple of years. And they kept a couple things to themselves as to when they'll release them, if it's going to be after these or if there's going to be more to it than that. Uh, And also uh, kept things a little vague, which I appreciated. So we're obviously going to get some continuations from things that we know about. Um, All of the Disney Plus shows have now been given release windows. And we've also been given the information that those are going to be canon and important to the stories. Uh, We have a Hawkeye show we have the WandaVision show which i still think that the fact that they call, they're calling it WandaVision means that i think it's going to be her trying to somehow like recreate vision which that'll be interesting to see
0: and from, uh, from what i've heard that directly ties into Doctor Strange 2
1: yeah and Doctor Strange 2 uh, has direct ties to the multiverse. So maybe even though we didn't get multiverse in Spider-Man. Spoilers. <laughs> um, maybe that will end up being something that we will actually get in true form. Which would be pretty dope. It would be able to explain away a few things. And make uh, give us some more tools to play with. Um, we have uh, the Loki television show. And
0: that is... That
1: is going to be the 2012 Loki that slipped away. Uh, so, I mean, the assumptions... You called that shit, dude. Yeah, the assumptions we had about Endgame, a lot of them are coming true. Um, they did confirm on stage that Gamora is still alive.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Whack.
1: It's it's a 2014 Gamora. It's not, real like, real-life Gamora, but it's 2014 Gamora. I think the mo- the closest one that's going to be coming out is Falcon and the Winter Soldier... And that's supposed to be early 2020, I think. So that'll be the first thing that we get on Disney+, Plus that's new Marvel-related stuff. Uh, but as far as the movies go, let me get everything... Like next.
0: we mentioned, Doctor Strange 2.
1: Yeah, Doctor Strange 2 is going to be pretty deep into that release list. I want to say it's somewhere in 2021.
0: Oh, wow. That, yeah, That seems far, because that movie came out a while ago.
1: Yeah, like I said, I think it's because they're giving us some of the other things that needed to take place ahead of that to start some other storylines and to make some things make sense. So, we're getting a Black Widow movie in May of 2020. About time. Yeah. Um Pre-quel? I don't yeah, I don't know how that's going to go. Okay. Uh, they didn't they didn't give us a whole lot of information. Um according to the interview that they did with Scarlett Johansson in Hall H, she said it's worth the wait. Okay, so I mean, I'm down for that. I like Black Widow as a character, and I feel like the more movies she was in, and the more amount of time we got to see that character kind of unfold all of the all of the little nuances, the more I liked that character, and the more I was sad to see it go in Endgame. So I'm hoping that maybe there's something in the works. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the whole multiverse thing. Who knows? Either way, I'm stoked to see it, even if it's just a prequel. Uh, and then uh, the next movie after that is going to be The Eternals. So they've been hinting at The Eternals for a while. Um, it's supposed to be uh, starring Angelina Jolie. So we'll see how that turns out. That's going to be uh, late 2020, November 6th is what are you're saying.
0: Are you familiar with that with branch? E- with The Eternals? Very vaguely. Oh, yeah, I have no idea what that is. And
1: Camille's in it too, right? I think so, yeah. So uh the Eternals are going to be Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Richard Madden of um of Game of Thrones fame, uh Don Lee, uh Brian Tyree Henry, and Camil Onjani and then more people. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh they are kind of like a big like superhero team up uh just a little more on like the cosmic side of things. Uh so it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. I'm stoked. I think that it kind of is going to add a new, a new list of people to kind of keep an eye out for as far as as the Marvel Universe goes. Because I mean, that's the big thing that it seems like is like the big deal about Phase Four is going to be introducing all of the new players that are going to be replacing things. And then we have uh, Shang Chi and uh, Shang Chi and the Ten Ring, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And they have confirmed that we're going to be getting the actual, true-to-life, real Mandarin.
0: I heard that. It made me think of us. <laughs> yeah. Because we've talked about that quite a bit on yeah. the show.
1: I mean, and they... Uh, Kevin Feige hinted at it a long time ago when they did that one-shot, uh, the Hail of the Kings uh, short, uh, that, that that was just a character. That Trevor Slattery made that up based on things that he'd heard about. And so we'll get to see how actually actually real and how terrifying that character is. Um, I know that this is a character that tends to be someone who is a recurring character, but I know that Marvel also has a habit of giving their villains one movie and then nixing them. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, I think this would be an interesting one to give like a little more, a little more limelight, but uh, it's tough to say if that will actually happen or not.
0: Speaking of that, I can't remember if we mentioned it or not, but didn't they say... That Justin Hammer
1: was coming back? I imagine that 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 he, he that, that would be the place where he would come back. Um, and then we have Doctor Strange. We already talked about that. Uh, the current title for it is Multiverse of Madness, and that's going to be May of 2021. I like the name. Yeah. Uh, and then we have What If? That was the other series that they're releasing for Disney+. Plus. It's supposed to be animated. I'm not sure what that exactly
0: is. I wonder if it's going to be takes on you know, what if Captain America was a girl or what if Red Skull won, or stuff like that? That might be interesting tweaks and stuff that we'll never get in movies, but that we're curious about. Yeah. I'm definitely down to
1: check that out. Uh, The final thing that they have a like actual release date set in stone for is uh, on November 5th of 2021, we're getting uh, Thor love and thunder. (laughs) And so this is supposed to be about uh, Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson's character. Trying to find out who is going to be her Queen of Asgard. And so, I mean, A, they're confirming that Valkyrie is is gay. And B, they're also going to be a new Thor in town. And it's going to be Natalie Portman's Jane Foster. What do you mean? So, Jane Foster is going to be female Thor.
0: What? How does that work?
1: Um, So if you remember Thor 1, when he strips the hammer from him, he gives him... he, He abused the hammer with the ability to give Thor's powers. So that's part of the reason why there were a couple of little extra moves that Captain America got when he picked up the hammer. And so somehow Jane will be proven worthy. And she'll get the hammer and she will get the powers of Thor. So it's very interesting uh it is something that is directly from the comics so jane foster has been female thor on multiple occasions so we'll see how that all turns out i thought that natalie portman was done i I thought that was a decision that she made so did i so uh i guess either they convinced her to come back which i mean i'm sure they probably did with boatloads of cash
0: not only that but i mean thor 2 we've gone on record saying is not good no so maybe she was like fuck this but now that this whole franchise has picked up and has gotten a lot better in comparison to that movie.
1: Well, on top of that, also with Taika at the helm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he created a great Thor film that had all of the right stuff, and I think by taking a human character who is inherently boring and giving her supernatural abilities, I think that that's going to make that character more interesting.
0: So is Chris Hemsworth still going to be involved
1: he's not going to be in that film really at least as far as we know wow he may he may make like a small appearance but he is not the star
0: of that film that's interesting okay well that makes sense because in guardians he's going to be with him
1: yes so um we didn't get any announcements or release dates for any of the other big films that we already know are in the works guardians 3 black panther 2 um there were a cut co- there are a couple of other ones that are kind of they're working out the King- oh uh captain marvel 2 Uh, None of those have been given any release dates, and I think that's because they're keeping cards closer to the vest this time, which I appreciate. We don't end up getting hyped up for The Immortals and then end up having that being a terrible TV show that goes straight to ABC. You know, I think that that's better in this route. They're only working with the things that they know will work. And I think that that's a sign of Kevin Feige having the complete control now. And I think that he's proven that he's able to put the right people in place. To make things happen. So the last the last few decisions that were made. When it was a collective. Rather than Kevin Feige being just kind of in charge. And making shit happen. Um, were uh, things like Age of Ultron. Thor the Dark World. Making that Immortals uh, television show. Because originally it was supposed to be a movie. And Kevin Feige didn't even want to tell that story. They don't tie in very well. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Especially in a world without the X-Men. Which that could change. But I think at this point they've wasted the immortals. They uh, everybody did not like that show. It was it had terrible effects. It looked like it was run on a very small budget, and it just didn't. It didn't work very well. It wasn't even like a situation where, with the first like season of Agents of Shield, everybody hated it. Didn't have a super big critical following, but it was interesting enough and tied in enough for people to be like, okay, I want to check this out. And then they picked up the quality in seasons two, three, and four, they really tied things in heavily to those storylines. So everybody wanted to watch that show. Uh, so it definitely got a little bit more popularity. Immortals just doesn't have the connections. So that kind of show's not going to work. And especially considering now that Kevin Feige's in control, he's not going to bring that back. He doesn't care about that. He has his plan. He has his roadmap. So uh, we will definitely see what those things come forward with. I would definitely see Captain Marvel 2 being something more along the lines of Secret Wars, which if you haven't read the comics, it's another large crossover event akin to Civil War or the Infinity Gauntlet series. Uh, So I think that that may be more the direction that we're headed in, especially with introducing the Skrulls and all that other stuff. So we'll see where that goes. We do have two new things on the docket, though. There were hints at it apparently in Easter eggs in Spider-Man: Far From Home, uh, but we'll be getting Fantastic Four in the MCU. There were hints. There were hints. It was the scene where he's fighting with him in the like the like the decommissioned like building. Okay. Uh, There were hints all over the place, apparently, for Fantastic Four. Oh wow! That wasn't something that I found out until I like looked it up later. Uh, But so we're getting Fantastic Four. And we're also Dude, good luck because
0: yeah. none of those movies have been good. <laughs>
1: well, everything up to this point has been pretty pretty lackluster. But I, like I said, I have faith in Kevin Feige. I mean, look at uh, Amazing Spider Man as compared to the two Spider Man movies we've gotten in this franchise. I mean, it's a it's night and day difference. Those are much better films. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. Uh, the one that I'm probably the most excited about, though, is we're getting Blade in the MCU.
0: That's the that's the most surprising thing that mm-hmm. because those are violent movies. Yes. And so they have to keep that violence on them. Yes. People uh, aren't going to expect anything less or want anything less.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's going to be uh Mahershala Ali is going to be our new Blade. Great choice. Yes, an excellent choice. I hope that Wesley is somehow involved just because he is Blade. He was that character. I mean, even in Bla- in like the Lackluster Blade Trinity, there's still Things you can take away from that film that aren't terrible. But Blade 1 and 2 are great. And I think that having him involved in some way, even if he's a character, if they bring him on as a producer. I, I'm on board for all of those things. Wesley Snipes needs more work, period. But <laughs> but I definitely think that, like I said, he made that character something like the like the real legitimate first Marvel success story on film. I mean, even before Spider-Man, if you think about it. Yeah yeah, so those are the big things from uh, from the Marvel panel at Hall H. The other big announcement, aside from they, they announced some really cool things, before we got that, We all, um, before they actually had their segment at Hall H, uh, Kevin Smith dropped the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot trailer. And it's incredible. I am super stoked to see that movie as a big Kevin Smith fan and a big View Askew Universe fan. I'm all on board about that. I think it looks super funny. I'm ready to see it. Uh, I'm really disappointed that that uh, little tour they're doing where they're uh, doing like the Q&As afterward and everything is not coming anywhere near us. And that's unfortunate. (laughs) But I think the biggest news outside of that, like I said, there's a whole bunch of stuff that dropped. They dropped the Top Gun trailer. They dropped all kinds of shit. Uh, But the biggest piece of news for me was that Terminator is getting Edward Furlong back.
0: That's fucking crazy. We talked about it. Yes, and we said they should do that. Yes, we're on. We're on our shit, dude. Yeah,
1: we're definitely. We got our finger on the pulse. <laughs> uh, it, like I said, it's it's actually happening. I'm. I don't know what he looks like. I I just assume he looks more tired than he did then.
0: <laughs> Here's a thought I had during the trailer when we saw it today mm-hmm. was that we have Mackenzie is it Mackenzie Davis? Maybe I don't know the. The new Terminator or mm-hmm. whatever, or the new Android. She's protecting a girl, and I'm thinking maybe that that girl is John Connor's daughter. Maybe. Because I mean, uh, Mama Connor, what's her name? Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. Uh, Sarah. Say, yeah, Sarah Connor. Because Sarah Connor is going and trying to protect them. So maybe there's some connection to the family. Could it be? Possibly, I really don't know.
1: Like I said, I, don't, I I don't want to see any more of the trailers for it. I no, don't want to dig into it. Like I just want to, I want to be ready. I want to enjoy it.
0: I mean, it's going to be a legit sequel to T two.
1: Yeah. The
0: only person missing is the the Terminator.
1: Yeah. Well, and I like Tim Miller. I think that he does great work. I loved the original Deadpool. Um, I think that he will do his best to make sure that this is the one that sticks.
0: Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Either way, I'm going to be watching. I think I've seen all of them in theaters mm-hmm. that I could when I was, you know, alive. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So that's going to wrap it up for news for this week. And uh, just to kind of give a full, like, disclosure, full disclaimer here, uh, this is going to be the final episode for what we're calling Porson Peak Season 1. Uh, so we're looking to kind of do some little in-house revamps, try to uh, spruce some things up. Um, We did have a network change, so we're making sure that we have that on the dockets as well. And just kind of making the whole process for our show our own, which is something that we've wanted to do for a while. We don't have an exact date set as to when we're coming back, but we won't be without content during that time. We do have a couple of bonus episodes in the chamber for a few things that we missed during during the summer because we've been so focused on Stranger Things uh, that we wanted to talk about. And so we're definitely going to touch on those things. I would expect to see uh, Porson Peak Season 2, like I said, new and improved. I would expect to see that no later than the 2nd of September. But, like I said, you won't be without us. Uh, just, you may end up getting a huge news dump on September 2nd if that ends up being the day we choose to release. Um, just because, like I said, we uh, if we are releasing these bonus episodes, they are things that we recorded kind of in the past and we kind of had in the chamber, so we won't be uh, adding uh, trivia or news to those segments. So it'll just be kind of the content, talk about our opinions on things, and then moving forward.
0: Right, but I'm excited, man. I think that there's going to be some good tweaks and some good additions and just, you know, get the show a little bit more streamlined and, and more enjoyable all around. Yeah. This will also be the last time that we do the Back to the 80s slash Stranger Things trivial pursuit. Yeah. So let's get started. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Do Come on, it'll be fun. Please. It's an easy category. Please. Movie trivia. I'll even give you a warm-up question. Don't do this, I can't. John coming off his hot win from last week.
1: Sweeping that card.
0: The first category is movies. What movie stars a mouse named Fievel? Who gets separated from his family during a journey from Russia to America in the late 1800s.
1: This is going to be an American tale.
0: Yes! That's funny because we mentioned it in last week's episode.
1: I think we specifically mentioned Five Will Goes West, which is the sequel. But close enough. Whatever. <laughs> All right. In So what 1982 movie was adapted from a Broadway musical about an orphan with red hair who got her start
0: in a comic strip? Annie? It is Annie. Oh, I didn't know she was in a comic strip. Mm-hmm. Wow. What was it called? Annie. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> all right, then let's move on to TV. Name two of the four things Charles is in charge of, according to the Charles in Charge theme song. I All
1: I can think of is Charles in Charge. Um, of? Life? <laughs> um, I'm going to say, like, Work. Family, life, I don't know.
0: You want me to sing it for you? Or you want me just to read it for you? You just read it. (laughs) Days, Nights, Wrong, and Rights.
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) On Cheers, which city's Major League Baseball team did Ted Danson's character once play for? Milwaukee. It's Boston. His baseball nickname was Mayday Malone.
0: I like that. Well, whatever. What's the score?
1: One, two,
0: one. One to one as we get into music. What song busted rapper Young MC onto the scene in 1989? Bust a move. Bust a move. Yeah, I said it first. <laughs> Whatever. I
1: said it first. You just didn't put emphasis on the busted when you read it the first time.
0: I did. Go back and listen. He also collaborated with Tone Lok on Wild Thing.
1: I'm taking that point. I said, Whatever. I said it first, man. Okay. 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 You so you go back and listen to it. Rewind the wax and then just play it in slow motion. It's like more. <sighs> <laughs> 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 Which Madonna hit includes the line when your heart beats next to mine?
0: Like a virgin. It is like a virgin. I was like seeing. It. <laughs> Touch with <for> virgin. <laughs> okay, sick. Then let's go on to famous people and events what tv actor and former bodyguard started his wrestling career as part of the first wrestlemania in 1985 hulk hogan it is not is uh, it mr t it is mr t shit i didn't know he was ever a wrestler I, so
1: like i had a, a hunch Ah, uh, just because of the a team but
0: man i pity a fool right now yeah i definitely
1: <laughs> do not deserve that point I like I said, I that was my like my first thought and then I second guessed it
0: and I shouldn't have. It happens.
1: Yep. What was the name of the super concert that was staged in multiple cities around the world to raise money for famine relief in 1985?
0: Live aid. It was live aid. Let's move on to Trends, Tech, and fun. What man made organ, invented by and named after Dr. Robert Jarvik, was successfully implanted into a human For the first time in 1982. Kidney? It was a heart. An artificial heart. Hmm. Uh,
1: What do the letters C and D stand for in the term CD player? Compact disc. It is
0: compact disc. Cool. Then let's get into the final category. And our final Stranger Things trivia questions. In season two, Steve tells Nancy that he may not be... A good boyfriend, but it turns out he's actually a pretty good what? Babysitter. Yeah, nice.
1: Going out on a high note. All right. Uh, when we first see him in season two, what is Dustin frantically searching for in his living room couch cushions? Quarters. It is quarters. He's looking to get some arcade money.
0: Nice. Okay, so what happened? Who won?
1: Uh, you did. I believe that is a 4-2... Wait, you got American four? Tail. Wait, no, that's five. Uh, you got Bust a Move. That's and you five.
0: You got baby sitter. One five to three. I right, well, I only missed one. Yep. Which one? The Cheers one. Bitch. Nice five three. Well, that was fun, and we hope that you guys liked that special segment of trivia with the Back to the 80s slash Stranger Things Trivial Pursuit. It's pretty cool, and if you actually play the game, it has an upside down, so I would recommend that if you're into Stranger Things and into trivia. That being said, that is going to conclude our trivia and news segments. If there's anything that we missed in the news department, and there was a ton of stuff from Comic-Con, so I'm sure that we did, then go ahead and drop us a line and let us know. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you can get more news and more trivia as things unfold. And if you're looking for a vehicle to listen on, then we might suggest PodCoin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, John? So PodCoin
1: is a really cool application that is available for Android and iOS, and basically it allows you to get paid to listen to all of your favorite shows. So if uh, you are looking to listen to Last Podcast on the Left, or if you're looking to listen to My Favorite Murder, or if you're looking to listen to Aaron Mankey's Lore, all of those things and every other podcast you've ever heard of are available on the PodCoin app. And you can take that money that you get for listening to podcasts and either donate to charity or donate to yourself uh, with some Target gift cards, Starbucks gift cards, uh, Amazon gift cards. There's a whole bunch of different items and stuff on there, uh, and that list is constantly growing. Like I said, it's, at this point, it's the only way that I listen to podcasts. And if you start using Podcoin today, if you use our code Porcelain, you'll get 300 free coins just for signing up.
0: Bam. Sounds like a win, 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 win. Hell of a deal. So check out PodCoin, and if you do, then let us know what you think. But now, time to get into our first main segment, and that is going to be our shameful horror misses. Yes. We gave you a couple of hints last week based on sound, so mine was... (coughs) And so I'm going to be talking about... Jaws. Jaws, yes, and then John is gonna be talking about hereditary, yeah, which uh that noise, if you've seen it, is terrifying now, yeah, <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into Jaws then, so I know it's crazy being a horror enthusiast, uh as I'm sure i've self proclaimed at some point in my life, and not having seen... this podcast <laughs> not having seen Jaws, uh which is known to be one of the greatest horror movies. Ever and one of the greatest movies ever in general. Yeah, I think part of it, and I'm sure I've mentioned it before, was that it it became so long and it got so hyped that I was afraid that I was going to watch a classic like this and then not like it.
1: So, uh, just kind of starting off, then based on that description that you just gave it, how do you feel about Jaws? I thought it was really good. Yeah,
0: it is a lot different than what horror movies are now, you know, and it's it's almost it's. I don't, it's hard to even really call it a horror movie by today's standards because it is, I don't know, it's just, it's, just, it's different, but it's it's good different. It was also a lot more comedic than I was expecting, mm-hmm. but in a really good way where it didn't feel as though they were looking at the camera trying to tell you jokes or very slapstick. It was subtle and it was realistic humor where in the places that it came up. You know, where they're drinking in the boat and they're all just kind of laughing and goofing off.
1: It's a lot of dialogue-driven style humor. And there's no, like, slapstick moments about it. It's just, like, it's three guys in a really shitty scenario trying to blow off steam. And that's part of the reason why it works so much better. And like I said, because they're in that moment where they're trying to work off steam and trying to let out tension, It when the tension starts to build during those moments, it falls into that same category that we've been talking about where... Where it seemed like horror movies kind of forgot that comedy and horror are so easily connected. But it shows that those things did exist previously as well. That Jaws was kind of ahead of its time as far as branching those two things together.
0: I think it was done so much better in this than it has been done in recent years. Because they tend to do, it's very funny and then very scary and we get like a jolt between the two. And this one is a little bit more subtle where it's almost an ebb and flow of here's the comedy. And then now we're going into the scares. Yeah. And that scene when Brody is throwing chum or whatever into Mm -hmm. the boat and then the shark slowly appears and you're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. And he turns around at the last second to see him and get away. That was tight because it's, it's not so much of a jump scare, which you get, you do get in this movie. Yeah. It's, slowly approaching and you get that tension which you see a lot more of now and uh, yeah like you were saying it is ahead of its time and i think that's why it's such an iconic movie because it did things that we are still seeing done in movies today
1: yeah like i said it's it's one of steven spielberg's best attempts and i think the the big thing is that it was almost a failure like they You know, before they released it, it was something where it was a tumultuous cycle because they, they banked on practical effects because there wasn't another option then. So they banked on creating this shark and it just didn't work right. So because of that, they had to retool and they had to recut and they had to make it more subtle. And I think that because of that, we see a lot less of our horror movie villains and monsters than we would have otherwise. And I think that that shift is a good one. I think that keeping the cards closer to the vest and not letting the audience in so much, I think, is a great trope that we get now. As I said, I love the way that it works out. It's an excellent film. Um, let's see if there are any other like, Let me questions. ask you this
0: question. Yeah. The captain of the Orca, mm-hmm. why does he want to cut off all communication outside of the ship? that wasn't very clear to me.
1: So if you didn't notice between um between him and between Hooper, they are very proud people. Uh you can see them in their arguments and their boasting and in the situations that, you know, that where they almost get each other killed doing stupid things trying to prove who's right. They're very proud. And I think he destroys the communication methods because he doesn't want to admit that he's failed at this point. So he's trying to say Hey, you're an idiot. Get away from there. We don't need the Coast Guard. I've got this under control. Because he wants to show that he's capable. And that's, like I said, that's, it's a character flaw of that specific character. And I think that that's something that a lot of characters nowadays don't have. We get these people who aren't very flawed and don't have these like clear issues That need to be resolved in their personal lives, but that make them also more realistic as a character. Like some, you could meet someone like that who's seen horrors in the war and is out there constantly trying to prove himself as the as the be all end all. And I think that that's something that's like I said that could be spoken for every character in that movie is that they all have they all have flaws that are very real.
0: Everybody in that movie. That we get time with the main characters, I guess, is there's, you know, the chief, the Richard Driver's character, Captain of the Orca, and then the mayor are essentially our main characters. And they all have flaws. They all make mistakes. And they all admit their mistakes, too. And so I thought that that was pretty cool, too, like you were saying, to see that where the hero isn't this flawless creature. Mm -hmm. He's making mistakes and just trying to learn from them. So there's, you get a ton of character development. Just from that. Yeah. Even the mayor, who you fucking hate, because he's like, nah, keep the town open. We need money. Yeah. It's like, dude, just fucking close it. What What if? What if there's a shark? And people lost their lives because of it. Two, At least two, two more, or three people. Yeah, there's a good handful. Yeah, because he wanted to keep these beaches open. And I'm like, fuck, man, you're ridiculous. And then it wasn't until Brody's son was hurt. That he was like, yeah, my, my kid was on that beach too. Like, do what you gotta do, man.
1: Yeah. And even then, he was still, like, trying to defend his actions. Which is unfortunate. Like I said, it's... Um, it's something that we talked about last night after after the movie was over. Uh, and it's something that I've seen on a couple of different occasions that other people have talked about. It's something that I firmly believe. Uh, Bruce the shark is not the villain. The mayor is the villain. I mean, you could even go as far as saying that all of the people of of Amity are are the villains but specifically the mayor and his push to to try to sweep the shark attacks under the rug and to try to make sure that people were still coming even though he like there had to have been a part of him that knew that it wasn't going to end well and he still made the decisions he made and basically was like sacrificing these people for like greed and capitalism and that's terrible
0: oh totally and they came back to bite him in the ass you know i mean um it would have been sad but if his kid would have got attacked then he would have had to really deal with the repercussions from his actions yeah i mean i guess we didn't need that and then you know having it be brody's son instead really pushed him to continue because he was terrified and so it gave his character a little bit more drive so it worked really well And I mean, I just love, I love the battle with the shark. I, I, there was more of the shark than I was expecting, honestly, Mm -hmm. because you don't get a ton. You get almost none of them at the beginning. Yeah. It's only until they're on the orca and they're really ready to fuck the shark up that we get to see him. And he comes up once that happens, he comes up a bunch. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And you get to see him battle with him and they're trying all these different things and they have these barrels floating and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And it's intense. Well, yeah, this, it's scary. The scene where,
1: where Captain Quince is eaten by uh, by the shark is very gruesome. And that was from a PG-rated movie at the time. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous.
0: I was on the edge of my seat a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, shit. Oh, no. What's going on? You know, And it had me. I was feeling it, I guess. Yeah. And I think that that's a testament to how powerful this movie is mm-hmm. and how much staying power it has. So.
1: I'm all for it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like I said, it it's one of one of my favorite uh like one of my favorite Spielberg Spielberg movies for sure. Um
0: glad to get it off my list. All right.
1: Uh so um if you were going to rate it uh between 1 and 5 boiled shark jaws. <laughs> <laughs> boiled white shark jaws.
0: I'm going to say 4.5 cuz it's not perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm but it's still amazing and I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like I need to see it again to really make an opinion because I feel like that could waver between a 4.5 and a five. I'm going to say no less than (laughs) 4.5.
1: I think that's, that's astute. Like I said, it's, it's iconic and it's iconic for a reason. And it has such a heavy impact on horror as a whole. I think that there are so many movies and so many television shows and so many video game stories, all kinds of stuff that would not exist if Jaws didn't exist. And I think that that has to be taken into consideration.
0: There's even an episode of Psych that's. <laughs> I know I keep mentioning that out of nowhere, <laughs> but yeah, that's very heavily Jaws themed. Yeah, so basically it's a rip-off of Jaws.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like I said, I I I look forward to after you rewatch it, kind of hearing your thoughts.
0: Yeah, but now I can say I've seen it. You know. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked about it. Now get Jaws tattoos or. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can name your name your truck Bruce now.
0: I could. I could. I don't know if I'm going to, though. <laughs> <laughs> then let's jump into your shameful horror miss, which is Hereditary.
1: Yeah, so I was really excited to check this off the list, and I was also a little terrified because I know that the subject matter for this was something that was going to probably hit a little close to home. Um,
0: what was your reaction when that girl got her head knocked off? <laughs>
1: Jesus. I mean I was like, it was wait, what the fuck so, just happened? <laughs> it was so tense. Just cause she's like choking to death because she's having a, a nut allergy. And my wife and I watch this together. And so we're sitting there and then you just see the deer carcass and then the car swerve and then you you hear it. Just thunk. and then just the separation and you could see kind of the shadow of the skull go away. And like we're both just like oh fuck. <laughs> Like, it was, and then just watching his reaction as he, like, pulls the car to a complete halt and then starts to try to look in the mirror and is like, no, not going to do it, not going to do it, and then just leaves.
0: And goes home and gets in bed.
1: Yeah. He he doesn't sleep, like I said, he knows what he did, and it's not his fault, like, it really isn't. Like, if you break all that stuff down, it's a complete accident, it's a freak accident, and not necessarily a freak accident, but it's not his fault. I, I, they don't outwardly say anything specifically about it, but the fact that there's an animal carcass there in the first place is heavily, like heavily is subtly put through the story that that was there on purpose. And that that was the intention.
0: I think there's even a symbol on the pole Mm -hmm. from the, the cult or whatever. Yeah. Uh yeah, but the the trailer's really kind of deceive you because it almost makes it seem like, like she's, she's a main character. Yeah, like she's
1: in there the whole time.
0: <laughs> I was like, wait, did that fucking just really happen? Yeah. That was wild. Mm-hmm. Um how did you feel about Toni Collette's performance?
1: It's incredible. Like Oscar worthy. Like the fact that I don't even know if she was nominated. If she wasn't, she should have been cuz the scene when she goes down to the car and figures out that she's dead and then you just see her scream crying and saying that she wants to die and like it just it was so affecting it, it like i like i was getting choked up with her like i could never imagine what that kind of pain is like and just watching her just kind of flirt with the line of insanity was it was a breathtaking ride she put in a master class performance.
0: How did you feel about the son's character? Because for me, I thought he was a little bit whiny <laughs> and I feel like he's I think we talked about it a little bit. He's like daddy, daddy. I my like, dude, you're like what, 16 or 17 years old quit calling him daddy. <laughs> it was
1: like I said it was it was a little rough at play in places, but I think that Based on the subject matter and based on what he was dealing with and the more things that get unfolded that we find out that that character has gone through in his life, I, I can kind of see why. Like I said, there are some people who are going to react to that. And like I said, that harkens all the way back to looking at our main characters from Jaws. These characters are all deeply flawed and flaws that will exist in your day to day. I mean, aside from maybe like the pagan rituals, which is apparently just Ari Aster's calling card. You don't know. <laughs> but like and i know that there are people who exist like that but it's a lot smaller than than the number that we're getting from Ari Aster here <laughs> considering he's made two feature like films and they both feature some type of rituals
0: what did you think about that so we talked a little bit about with midsummer where definitely a horror movie but not really scary did did you think this movie was scary
1: I think that they definitely did more to make this a horror film rather than have it be a suspense film with like gory elements, which I think is probably more akin to what uh, Midsummer is Um, with this movie. I mean, you have like the entire sequence where he wakes up out of bed and is trying to figure out what happened and then gets surrounded in the attic and then jumps like the whole like the whole concept of her like hiding in different places. Like, sh- like they showed him starting to get out of bed, and then you see her up in the corner. Just very, barely visible. And it was like, fuck, that's creepy. <laughs> like, uh, Brittany didn't even notice her at first until I pointed it out. She's like, oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> and then she fucking takes off like a bat out of hell! And, like...
0: A little bit silly at times, with the way that it looked.
1: But I don't mind that. Like I said, this is his first attempt at making a film, and he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. And I was just so creepy and so atmospheric and the way that things connect back to the, like the little sculptures and stuff. And do
0: that opening scene is amazing where mm -hmm. it zooms into the sculpture and then then becomes the movie. Yeah. Love it. love shit like that. We've talked about camera tricks and all that kind of stuff before, but yeah, it's so cool. Uh,
1: I, Ari Aster is phenomenal behind the camera and I don't know if he works with the same crew every time but whoever he has as his actual director of photography, they have such a unique vision between the two of them and they do things in scenes that other people don't. And that's part of what I loved about both of these films. Um, I mean, we talked about, uh, we didn't get to talk about it in our midsummer episode. It's just something that I wanted to bring up, something that I wanted to rectify for myself. And I'm glad I now have the opportunity to do so. One of my favorite scenes of midsummer was The scene where they have moved in together, and it's before we've left for uh, Sweden, and they're standing in their apartment, and they're talking about the whole concept of him going on this trip to Sweden. And they're arguing about it, and they're trying to figure it out. They just come home from a party, and they show us her, and she's in front of their door, and they're discussing things, but there's a mirror next to her, so we also get to see him. And the way that it's panned and the way that it's set up, I've never seen a camera trick used like that before, where we get to see both characters without having to go back and forth. We get a static camera and we see them both. And I felt like that was, like I said, that was a masterstroke. It was perfect. And it's one of the coolest camera tricks I've seen in a long time. And the way that they pick shots and the way that they choose to pan in and out of things, rather than sitting in a static place most of the time, Um, the scene where she first goes to the grief counselor, she's sitting in her seat and she's kind of describing her relationship with her mother and how tumultuous it is. And we had, they don't sit on her face and they don't just move left or they don't move right. They pull back and we get to see more of the crowd, more of the people reacting to the things that she's saying, but she still ends up being the focal point. And I, it's the way that they, they chose to light it. You know, we have the, the, the three-point lighting system. So we have the light coming down from the top. And we have the two that create the shadow lines. And it, it's flawless. And like I said, it's something that, that not a lot of other people do behind the camera. That kind of work, typically in a situation like this, you would just have it, you know, very close in and just sitting on the face. And I, like I said, I felt like it was incredible. The acting performances I felt like, all, like for the most part, were were top notch, and I just loved what he was able to to do with this vision and the fact that, like I said, he's done two movies, and for me, they've been a pluses all around. I think that that's that says something for the kind of filmmaker that he is.
0: Which of the two did you like more? <sighs> that's tough, right? Except
1: to say, symbolism wise, I felt like. Uh, Midsummer is almost untouchable. Really, um, I don't know. But man. but speaking specifically of subject matter and the way that that subject matter affects you, I think that Hereditary is probably one of the best films ever made. Just the way that the way that it's able to be subtle with things, and the way that it's able to not like to not hold the the viewer's hand as you go through this. It it just says here is the story you know, keep up or you're going to, yeah, good luck and keep (laughs) up. And it doesn't, it doesn't make any assumptions about your skill level or about how you feel about things. Right. And it hurts. It hurts to watch it because like I said, because it's, there are so many things that you have to see, like you have to deal with some, but you know, people losing their loved ones and dealing with mental health issues. Like I said, it's such, there are so many Analogies and allegories that are made for mental health issues and, and mm-hmm. like dealing with those things and how they can kind of be like a ticking time bomb sometimes. It's, it's terrifying. Like I said, and that's not even dealing with the actual real horror elements of like ghosts and spirits and fucking witchcraft <laughs> and shit.
0: It's, it's incredible. And 70s Bush. <laughs> that shit was scary. And people with their dicks out. <laughs> All right, man, if you have to rate it out of, uh, Five severed heads. What would you give it? <laughs> Ant-covered
1: severed heads? Yeah. Um, it's getting a five. It's n- not even close. Like I said, it's... I won't say top five or top ten, but it's at least top 25 movies I've seen in my entire life.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's a great horror movie. Yes. Cool. Well, that is going to be the end of our shameful horror misses. So a couple off our list. I feel pretty good. How you feel about it?
1: I feel better... Like I said, I think that, I think that I'm really going to feel like I've been absolved once I, once I scratch that, that Hitchcock off the list.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Me too. I think that uh, we both need to do that. Yeah. All right. That being said, we are going to move on to the grand finale of the episode and also of Strange Summer. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about the last two episodes, seven and eight, of Stranger Things Season 3. Yeah.
1: So that's going to be – Let's jump in. That's going to be The Bite. And Battle for Starcourt. Uh, so those episodes are kind of the pinnacle. That's where everything is aiming towards this point where we have all of the groups finally coming together to try to figure things out. Before we get into that, in, in episode seven, um, we are dealing with like the, the ramifications of, of Billy as the Mind Flayer being like, I can see you. We can all see you. And,
0: and the people, like, melting into the Mind flare. Yeah. it <laughs> was fucking
1: disgusting. It shit was gnarly. Um, so we have everybody trying to kind of converge back on Hawkins. So we have that group trying to get to the Scoops troop, trying to save them <laughs> from, from Starcourt Mall. And during that time frame, they end up getting found and Eleven gets bitten. And so she gets bitten, and a slug is implanted in her, and it's basically like sapping her powers. And on top of that, she's also been very heavily using her powers for basically the entire season. Kind of using them willy-nilly, uh, almost taking them for granted in a way. Just kind of being like, oh yeah, I'm a badass, I can do whatever the fuck I want, you know?
0: But I mean, the scenes where we needed it, she fucking wrecked, dude. Oh yeah, she
1: does great work. But she also, like I said, is just kind of being willy-nilly with it. And uh, we get ramifications for that as we get later into the series. Um, We have uh, that creepy carnival scene where we're dealing with uh, Carrie Elwes, the mayor, being a a complete and total tool. Um, And we also have Hop, Joyce, and Alexi, well, and uh, Murray, trying to figure out where everyone's at. Because they they found out their kids are in trouble. They're trying to, to save them. So they're trying to figure out where they're, where everything's going down. And during that time frame, you can kind of see the bond between Murray and Alexei kind of build a little bit. They're becoming good friends. Alexei's talking about how he came for the American dream. And it's a very, very you know cute and sentimental moment. And you know as soon as it happens and as soon as we really start to unfold that character, he's not going to make it. No way. No way he makes it. Uh, so he ends up getting shot down by a uh, Russian Terminator. And oh, it was it, heartbreaking. And just Murray trying to trying to like save him.
0: I think the worst part was that there was so much joy happening before that. Oh, yeah. Like, the, Here's your tickets, man. I'm going to go get us some food. And Murray's all excited with the corn dogs. And like, this is kind of sweet.
1: Yeah. And it, like, he, he proves that the... Uh,
0: really the blah, blah, blah.
1: Proves that all of the carnival games aren't necessarily a trick and that you're able to make it happen. And he proves that he's, you know, he's able to do it. And like I said, that scene is just, it's, it's heart wrenching. And it leans in. Sets you up. It also leads into one of like, one of the best action sequences from the entire show, I would say, where they're running through the fun house and Hopper is just dispatching people. So good. Just the way that they use i mean obviously the mirrors are a little bit of a trope, but they use it in their own kind of funky way, and I think that uh I think that hopper being a little more of a brute, I think lends itself a little bit better to something like this him just just going out there and doing what he's gotta do and just watching kind of their reactions as as they they lose kind of their linchpin at this point, the person that they know will be able to to help them make this happen and make it happen the right way who knows all the layouts of all of their hideout and everything and wants to, wants to help them fix it. it it's just, it's heartbreaking to see that character
0: go. We finally get to see the mind flare in action mm-hmm. and it's massive. Oh, it's huge. Not as big as it was in the upside down as the smoke, mm-hmm. but still the biggest thing that we've had in actual Hawkins mm-hmm. ever. And it's terrifying. And it basically destroys Hopper's cabin. Tears it up, man. In a fun scene where it's them just, trying and it reminded me a lot of evil dead mm-hmm. and the, you know there's so many ties to other stuff right where we get pieces of alien and we get pieces of the thing and we get pieces of evil dead and i was like oh my god this is amazing yes it's just <laughs> it's just ticking so many
1: boxes i love that and i love that and i love that well, And they they uh they flee the cabin as it's being destroyed um 11's doing her best to kick ass but is is uh fading fast we get to a grocery store, and we end up seeing a few uh, few little connections here and there to certain things. Um, but we do get uh, Lucas uh, geeking out about some fireworks.
0: Smartly, though.
1: Yeah. Very smartly. Because those fireworks come into play later on down the line. Um, and I was and,
0: like, oh, yeah. Because I hate heat. What's well, fucking hotter than a firework? <laughs> yeah.
1: And then uh, basically trying to deal with Eleven's issues... And how in pain she is. They try to like patch her up and make her better. And it doesn't really work necessarily. Uh, So they finally flee the grocery store. Uh, So we get them moving on to Starcourt. Where they finally reunite with Scoop's troop. So we got the whole gang together. Except for, uh, well at least for a a few minutes. Except for Hopper, Joyce, and Murray. We have everybody, all the kids are together. Um, In a
0: real cheesy like bro moment with yeah. the boys, and tell Erica's like, "Are you guys done?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was super cutesy. Uh, I, we've been we've been waiting for it for them to like actually kind of like really mend the fences,
0: uh, and but it's brief. Yeah, So I was a little bit frustrated. I really just wanted everyone together. Yeah, but looking at the season as a whole, that is the theme of the season, mm-hmm. right? I guess where. Things are falling apart, things are separating, and things are changing. And, and honestly, we get this big speech at the end, which we'll talk about of course. Mm-hmm. And then with the way that the ending goes, it's that's that's what the season is about. Yeah. It's about separating
1: and moving on.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I have to do the same. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's tough.
0: Like I said, you, you On that note, John. It's been good. <laughs> no, not gonna happen. <laughs> but you fall in
1: love with these characters and you fall in love with their relationships. And it's something that we talked about in season two, a lot where there were odd pairings. We had odd couples all over the place and the odd couples all just seem to fit. And part of the reason is because like I said, they, all of the characters are written so well and they make so much sense together. Now we have these odd couples splitting and kind of creating their own factions. And that's just going to have to be how it goes, you know? Everybody shows up. We have one of the most gruesome scenes in the entire show of Jonathan trying to trying to cut the slug out of out of Eleven's leg. And that shit was fucking gnarly.
0: Yeah. And he was just digging around. Oh, okay, yeah. Just digging around trying to find it. She's like, "I stop. I can do it. I can do it. Well, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, why didn't she just do it? Yeah. And she did. And I was like, okay, cool. But that was disgusting.
1: Yeah. It was very gross.
0: <laughs> the final episode, definitely one of the more intense episodes. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of funny that they went to go start the car. And they're like, the, the ignition cable or whatever is missing. Yeah. So that means Billy drove up there, <laughs> took, the ignition. took the cable, and then drove back, and then waited. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope they come to the car. I was like, all right. Uh, I thought that was really funny, but good scene.
1: Mm-hmm. We also get the full scale of, like, against, like, real life things, what the Mind flare really looks like. Uh, it's massive. Yeah. Huge.
0: Can barely walk through the court yeah. of them all.
1: Yeah, everybody kind of separates and goes their separate ways again because, I mean, there are jobs to do, people to take care of.
0: Right, so I guess that's where the difference comes, where it's like they're separating because they need their team. Yeah. And each person's doing something specific, mm-hmm. um, whereas at the beginning of the season or the rest of the season, it's all, they're all doing their own things. Yeah. So they come together and now they're... Working together to do certain things, and we finally get to see Susie, which was fucking hilarious, it, and dude. it was
1: so adorable, and it was like like super cute, and it was well performed, and I loved it out of nowhere. Yeah,
0: and I was like, "How long are they gonna keep doing this?" And they just kept going. Yeah, they just
1: did the whole fucking song from Never ending Story.
0: <laughs> and when she was like, "I want to hear it," I really thought he was gonna do his little like growl thing i don't know yeah i don't know how to do it. Like, yeah and i was like oh yes do it do it do it and i thought that's what it was gonna be and then they topped it yeah <laughs> they made, like, they made it made the way better fuck?
1: they made it so much better
0: and then to see him get teased after
1: by, <laughs> by, <laughs> by lucas, lucas and max
0: and was so fucking funny yeah and he was just like giving them the finger yeah it was classic too good it was yeah it was great and i'm glad that she came up it's like why why have this why make Destiny a weird liar and so I was really glad that he wasn't and that it actually had a purpose for the continuation of the story.
1: We also get a reference to Phoebe Cates uh, from uh, Fast Times. Uh, she actually is a cardboard cutout in the video store. Uh, so like I said, that reference has been kind of played around with the whole season about, about Susie being hotter than Phoebe Cates. <laughs> and I thought that was funny that they were just like, here you go. There's a little nod for that.
0: I really, I really like that whole interaction at the video store. So let's talk about some of the sad stuff.
1: So yeah, every as everything kind of breaks down, um, we have we have uh, Joyce Hopper and Murray take off to go uh, try to close the gate, and they get confronted by the Terminator and <laughs> the Russianator. And, That's uh, what I said. Yeah, so they they kind of get into their fight. Uh, Joyce is uh, trying to come up with a way to to close the gate, but trying to get it to where Hopper can come back to safety. And he, as far as we can tell, isn't able to make it. He gives her a knowing look like, hey, sorry, this is it. Like, I mean, and and at this point, like I said, they have full-blown kind of accepted that, like, they're going to go on a date, that they think that they like each other, and they're ready to explore that. And now we don't get to see that, as far as we know. (laughs) And, uh... Right, so that that, scene... That look, it was... It hurt.
0: What, so when the vapor went pew, yeah. what was your initial reaction? I knew it was
1: going to happen. And like, like I said, I called this before the season started that Hopper was going to be the one to go. I called it. You can go back and take a look at our, <laughs> our, our, season, our season two episode. I knew that Hopper was going to be the one to go. I don't know if he for sure is gone because if anything has been proven to me over the course of 30 years worth of film and television show watching... It ain't really true unless you see a body and we didn't see a body. No body, no cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
0: I will see so that's why I asked what your initial reaction was because I didn't react to it because we didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And so my initial thought was okay, he jumped into the upside down before the blast because yeah. the gate was still open. Yeah. And then with the end credits They're like, oh, no, not the American. I think that's
1: almost 100% confirmed. I mean, uh, we won't know. We won't know until the season comes out. And I am really excited for it because I don't know what they're going to do. I have no idea where this goes from here. But we have other things to talk about before we really dig into our Hopper theories.
0: How did you feel about Billy's death?
1: I thought it was really beautiful. And I I loved that he sacrificed himself in that moment. Uh, because someone finally made a connection with him.
0: We knew Billy was dying.
1: Yeah, we knew he wasn't, right. wasn't going to make it out of there. Because, I mean, especially considering he's the only human that the Mind Flayer left alive, um, you knew it's something. something was going to go drastically wrong. But he made a sacrifice, and he knew he was making that sacrifice. And like I said, I think it was because there's something about Eleven, and it's something that makes you want to bet on her. And it's... A great quality that that character has even though she is such a fish out of water and even though she only is capable of really saying what's on her mind and keeping her emotions on her sleeve it's a quality that a lot of people really like about her and anyone she meets is instantly drawn to not only the mystery but also just the personality and I think that she's able to bridge that gap so easily with Billy. Like, the first real time she's gotten to interact with him, other than being in a knockout out fight with him... That's a good point. Yeah, like, you are... You are real, you know? Like, the I've seen what happened to you, I've seen what you had to deal with, and I understand why you're angry. You know, in a lot less words, obviously, because she has such a limited vocabulary, but...
0: I think, too, well, partly pushed him to favor L in this last moment was that the mind flare only brought him pain. Mm -hmm. And at least it almost seemed like she was helping him see and remember. And by describing that memory, giving him a little piece of happiness Mm -hmm. one last time. And I was like, fuck dude. Like thinking about that while it was happening, like that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. And then I so I to me that's what kinda of pushed him over. Yeah. Was that OL gave me a reminder in a piece of, of that happiness again. Yeah. Where this guy's only bringing me pain. So he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be the billy I know I can be. Yeah. And a billy that would make my mom proud.
1: Well, and his sister too. And watching Max react to that scenario was just it was crushing. You know, yeah. it was something where like even though they had such a hard relationship you could still tell that like she knew that there was somebody real there and it was hard watching her lose that like, so there're just so there are so many hard moments in this episode i mean like so the you have like the the build up and the benefits of you know having like the moment at Cerebro where where they're this singing the song and uh, I liked the moment where uh, where Robin admitted that you know that she was gay, and that that the only reason that she was like obsessing over Steve was like why does the girl that I like like Steve so much, and like the fact that they were able to just be like okay, so apparently we're just like super best friends instead, and like are totally able to move on and, and move forward, and I I really liked that a lot. I felt like it was something that based on what we know about Steve now, is something that he would have done. And that's that's important. Like I said, the characters are all written so well on this in the show.
0: How much did you love Steve in that moment when he crashed Billy's car? She's like, what the fuck's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah. And like, Bam! And then they show Steve, and he's like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, dude, I fucking love Steve. Yeah. And hate Ted Wheeler. Yeah, fuck Ted Wheeler. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I mean I thought that it was all done very well. It was all really scary and all really intense with the bunker and everything. And so I kind of want to talk about just the actual ending of Mm -hmm. this where it's three months later and now the buyers are leaving. And
1: they're taking Elle with them.
0: To me, it makes sense. So I was kind of thinking about it like could she stay with Mike? Not really. Could she stay with Max? Probably not because nobody really understands what exactly happened except Joyce. She's the only parent that's really privy to everything that's going on with these children. Mm And so it makes the most sense for her to go with Joyce and to be a part of that family now. But it was interesting because Will said, I'll see you when I get back or when we get back. Yeah. So I wonder if they're planning on moving back at some point, if they're just taking a road trip. It was. I don't think so. Yeah. They're
1: they're, they're leaving. They're leaving Hawkins. Um, my guess is that they probably have plans. They have plans to come back and visit, to stay with Mike or to stay with Max or whatever, you know, stay with somebody.
0: Maybe for the summer or something.
1: Or even just, it seemed like they were talking about Christmas. Yeah. So probably something where they would come down for, like, winter break. I've been in that scenario before where where a friend leaves and you have to, like, try to make that work. And a lot of times it doesn't. And that's an unfortunate truth. And it made those moments even more heartbreaking for me. Like them having to say their goodbyes and watching them, like I said, try to, try to navigate it in a way that wasn't, you know going to crush them but I mean you could tell that they were all bent out of shape
0: about it even with some of the naivety from Will and and Mike when they're having their final conversation where he's like what if you want to join another party he's like I won't like, well you say that now but you're definitely going to make friends I think that
1: but I think there's a difference between that between going through what they've gone through
0: and then making a new friend there's a a big (laughs) shared trauma yeah all the goodbyes I mean just that whole thing was heartbreaking mm-hmm. and then for them to add
1: the reading of of hopper's speech with oh, the, what he added to the it.
0: extended stuff yeah it was like the like when you when you listen to a record and it's like this is the extended version yeah
1: <laughs> but it those was, extra
0: songs but it was better
1: yeah i was like
0: oh my god so at that point i was like shit hopper really is dead yeah and that's when i started to get sad mm-hmm. that whole scene and then for me they hit you with fucking david bowie Oh, well, I guess a David Bowie song. Yeah, <laughs> not his uh, edition. But I was like, oh, my I think God. it would
1: have been better if it had been his.
0: <laughs> it would have made more sense. Yeah, but his is not as slow. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, they hit me with Bowie and all this sad shit. I'm there. Yeah. And to watch Elle and just that whole her tear apart because when Hopper and her were saying goodbye, and he didn't like tell her he loved her or anything, I was like, man, that's fucking hell. Of sad. Like, mm-hmm. tell her, tell her that you love her. I wanted them so desperately to. To say it, yeah. I mean, you could see it in their eyes and in their facial expressions mm-hmm. when they're parting at the mall. But I was like, "Fucking say it, dude!" I just really wanted it, and so that for them to do that with a speech, I thought was great. Yeah.
1: Well, and so we find out that at this moment in time, her powers are gone. She has no no knowledge of when she'll reclaim them or if she ever will. Uh, Mike seems to be confident that she will. But I think that that's more just him kind of learning that she is strong and that he doesn't have to be the protector. He doesn't have to be the hero just because, you know, because they love each other, which they also admit and was super adorable. Uh,
0: uh, oh, I, don't, I, don't, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh.
1: <laughs> super cute. She
0: said, I love you too. I'll like, say,
1: yeah, get it, girl. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like I said, I, I have no idea where the next season's going to go
0: and then just we can be heroes just for one day. Psh, the door closed. And I was like,
1: "Damn. Not a, not a mention about hop, like really." Um and it just like it was like super like I had no idea where it was going. Like I said, because at that point I thought it was over.
0: I would have been fine if it, if it ended there. Yes. I would have been fine with that. Um I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't a sort of cliffhanger because uh-huh. we get that with season 1 and we get that with season 2 where there's like, "Guess what's going to happen?" And so I was a little bit surprised by that, but I was like, "Hey, they they want to do something a little bit different. But mm-hmm. then we get this after credits scene and I thought it was cool. And I feel like that's one of the first times that we get to see a demigorgon in the light. Yeah. And it's massive mm-hmm. and scary. Yeah.
1: And it has that like white, like almost albino type skin. Right. Um but and then, then they're trying to harness the power of it, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, so it seems like they're trying to make it into a weapon mm-hmm. to some extent.
1: And then obviously we get them saying saying in, in Russian No, not today, not the American.
0: Well, then I feel like that's going to explain some stuff because when the army, the American army infiltrates the Russian lair under the mall, Mm -hmm. there's no Russians. So there must have been an escape hatch somewhere. Yeah. And so they must have taken Hopper with him, them or something. It's like, where the fuck is everybody?
1: So it's either a hatch or it was the upside down. Like I said, I think there's a potential of that as well.
0: Maybe they still had that machine in Russia. Mm -hmm. And were able to kind of connect somehow. I don't know. Or yeah. They, or
1: they took the data that they learned from opening the portal in Hawkins, and were able to properly translate that and make it work. Yeah. In uh, Russia, because I mean, obviously they got a Demogorgon, so they got the portal open somehow to get that Demogorgon. So I mean, there I I couldn't potentially see it being anybody other other than than Hop, which. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it would have been a big deal to end his story there and have him make that sacrifice. But I also think that. Nobody. He's a very important character, and I think that moving forward without him would be rough. It would have been the same thing if they had actually killed Eleven in season one, and we moved on to season two, and we didn't have her. I think that would have made a different story. And up to this point, the Duffer brothers know what they're doing, and they've done what I want, not what I wanted them to do, but done done like things that aren't weren't necessarily my expectations the whole way through.
0: Right. And I've been trying to can remind myself of that because I wanted this season to go in a very different direction mm-hmm. and it didn't, you know, we wanted to know about the other children. Yeah. The other, cause we know about two of 11, presumably mm-hmm. 11. And so, yeah, where's, where's the other nine. And we wanted to know about Dr. Brenner. Like what's he doing? And nothing. So there was stuff that we did not get answered. Now we just have more questions. Mm-hmm. And so that was I, something that I had to remind myself that I guess you don't necessarily know the things. or Because it, it, it didn't really meet my expectations of a continuation. Where I felt like two was a continuation of one, three doesn't super feel like a continuation of that. It feels like it's kind of its own branch, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I don't know. Did you feel like that at all? Or I,
1: I would definitely say yes. Uh, like I said, the, it's the separation of the characters into the new paradigm shifts. So we have, like I said, we have that connection between Dustin and Steve. The odd couples becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the big differences are going to come in. I mean, we have Erica hanging out with Dustin and hanging about out with play, Steve. About to play Dungeons & Dragons. Right? Yeah. And, like, we have... Uh, Will and Elle and Joyce and Jonathan all going to some unknown city. Um, we have uh, Nancy staying behind. You know, we have all these other things that are happening. We have the groups kind of splitting and doing their own things, and it's it's all going in different directions. So it can spread the story. So I don't know if we're going to get spinoffs. I don't know if we're going. I, I know that at this point they've said there's going to be a four. We don't know when it's coming. Um, they said that they might do five and that's it. They don't have any intentions of going further than that, which they do five. And yeah, I think that that's the right call. I don't think that this story is something that can go on forever.
0: It seems like four might be a companion to three, like two was a companion to one. mm -hmm. And they might just do like these two chunks. Yes. And I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And
1: I think that, I think there's going to be things that we're going to see in the separation of these groups. I, I, let's make some predictions. (laughs)
0: I <laughs> okay. I Hopper's think, coming back.
1: Oh yeah, I think that Hopper's coming back for sure. I would say that that's almost a hundred percent. What do you think about the possibility that now that they're going to a different town, that part of their process between Joyce and Eleven is going to be looking for the other for the lost children?
0: Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't see why not. That might be something that they're doing. Yeah, it's going to be hard because Elle can't locate anybody anymore. But
1: but we've also learned that. Joyce doesn't need superpowers. Joyce is just right all the detective. time. <laughs> she is a pretty good detective. And I think that that's something that they've been alluding to, is that, that she may be the one to help Elle get back
0: to that place. Hard to say, though, because it seems like Joyce wants to get away from Hawkins to leave all that behind her.
1: Well, yeah, but I think that, I think that for her, I think that she's, she's connected to Elle. She's been connected to Elle since season one. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be something where I think that connection will help them make that work. If it is something that happens. I would say that the likelihood of that happening is probably at about a 60% for me.
0: Okay. Do we think the Flayer's dead?
1: I'd say it's probably at like a 100% no.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't want it to be like Russians versus Americans on a like grander scale. Yes. Like a war movie where it's like, we got to fight the damn I don't know. It's like, it can get really weird and I like it being more or less contained. Mm-hmm. But now we're, we got that. Um, I don't
1: necessarily see it going in that way. I would see it more potentially going in the way of the Russians being outmatched by what the Upside Down is capable of bringing and not realizing what they're doing. Because, I mean, at this point, the only other people we've seen attempt to do this are the people from Hawkins Lab. And look at how it turned out for them. They got you know mutilated on multiple occasions. And I just don't see Russia understanding that that's what's happening.
0: With four potentially being the last season, what do you think the chances of getting Dr. Brenner back are?
1: I was going to say, ask you a similar question. I was going to say, what, do you, what are your possibilities? What are your percentages for is Dr. Brenner involved with the Russians
0: already? That's also a thought I had. Yeah. Maybe he's – because why why would they want to build that machine? What Mm. would convince them or push them or give them the plans to build a machine like Mm. that unless they had somebody who had already done it? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. I'm going to say it's like 75. I hope – I want him to come back for season four. I really hope that this was like kind of a setup so that we get something that answers a little bit more of the questions that we've had because we get nothing about eight or any of the other children. Yeah in this season at all not even like hints or drops about it she doesn't even mention having a sister you know mm-hmm. what i mean so that was a little bit strange i guess we do see her mom briefly yeah
1: percentage likelihood of max and lucas still being together by the next season
0: um i would say 100 percent that they are gonna be on and off <laughs> <laughs> that's a
1: cop out my dude dude that's what they did this is true this is true and we don't
0: know that they were one hundred percent back together at the end.
1: I mean, they were they were both tag teaming on on uh, Dustin's emotions.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I can't. It's hard to even think. I I wonder what they're gonna do. I'm very I'm very curious.
1: Yeah. Like I said, even with the things that we're trying to make predictions about, I still have no idea where this is going. Right. And like I said, that level of mysteriousness and that level of unknown is just it's something that I, I look forward to. Every time I have the opportunity to go that route, I, I said, I get like a little, like hit of dopamine. I get that, that like nice response.
0: I will say that I hope that we get a little bit more upside down. Cause we got almost none mm-hmm. in this very little in compared to the other seasons. And I was like, let's get upside down. Let's get in there. So yeah. maybe exploring that world a little bit more because we haven't seen the Russians do it. And so if they open that gate, what's next for them? Yeah. How do you feel about Season 3 compared to Seasons 1 and 2? I feel like it stands up. Like I said, I haven't
1: felt... like I felt like Season 2 was a big upswing. I would say that Season 3 is probably a little more akin to Season 1 as far as quality is concerned. Um, there are some things, like I said, that, that felt like, you know... Uh, obvious like sequel baiting and obvious like trying to build the next thing where I didn't see that as much from, from season two.
0: I completely agree.
1: Um, and okay. like I said season two, it just, it did so many new things and made so many things work that didn't necessarily work as well before. Um, which is saying a lot considering, like I said, we, we've gone on record at this point of saying that, that at least the first two seasons of the show are probably some of the best written shows on television period.
0: And and, and it seems like they focus on a different character each season Mm -hmm. where season one was very heavily focused on Mike, right? Yeah. And two was very much Will. And this one was very much 11. Mm -hmm. Although she's been in it throughout and focused on throughout. Like this season was about 11. Yeah. And so I I like what they've done there. And so I'd be interested to see if they continue that trend. Mm -hmm. Who's the next one about? Maybe it's about Lucas or maybe it's about Dustin. You know what I mean? Where it focuses on them a little bit more. Um if I had to put the seasons in order, for me it would be 2-1-3.
1: Yeah, I would de- uh, agree with that as well. Not that and, 3 was bad. And it's not that they're very. there's a very far distance between them. Um, I still feel like 3 is very great quality-wise. I feel like the writing is still really, really good. And I feel like it's going in cool directions that I'm really excited to have questions answered. I just don't want to be at the end of a four or five season arc and still have questions.
0: Right. I think that's inevitable, honestly. Yeah. Because they've done so much weird, different things, and they probably aren't 100% sure how to answer it in a way that's going to make satisfy. sense. Yeah, or satisfy. So there's probably going to be stuff that they leave unanswered. Mm-hmm.
1: I just hope that it's not the big things. You know?
0: Right. Kids, Brenner, Hopper. Like if we did nothing, yeah. I'd be very surprised. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for pretty much the last of our Strange Summer segment. Uh, and the end of and Peaks Season 1. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so the things that we're going to watch in the off-season, the things that you should expect from our bonus episodes, and the things that we're just looking forward to within the next like short time frame. Um, our watch
0: list, yeah, if you will. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some video games.
1: So uh, definitely... Check out Crawl. Um, That's going to be something that we're going to talk about on an episode. Um, It was something that we weren't sure if we were going to be interested in seeing it. uh, But uh, it got some positive reviews. So we were like, yeah, let's check it out. Why not? We'll probably end up breaking down and talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. If you haven't seen that already, what are you doing with your life? Go watch Spider-Man Far From Home. (laughs) You should have watched it already.
0: Um, As soon as this episode's over.
1: Other than that... um, Uh, The Boys comes out in a couple of days. I've been talking about it for like two weeks. I'm ready for it to start. I've been seeing more and more little trailers and snippets for it. I'm ready for that. Um, How about you? Anything else?
0: I'm just excited to revamp the show and to, to tweak it a little bit and get you guys a little bit different content and have some fun. Yeah. And this season has been great. And anyone that's been following along at any point, we would like to thank you for joining us on essentially a trial season as we kind of fumble through everything and, and make improvements along the way. We've been having a blast. Mm -hmm. I'm going to speak for you because I see your face (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride and it's been fun for all of us. And I'm really excited about season two. And when we come back, far as we know, tentative plans is that September will focus primarily on sci-fi. And for me, I Try to usually do what I call a September starve mm. where I don't do anything horror related in September and then cram it all into October and really thrive on it. Yeah. Because then it makes it even more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> but like John was saying, we got a couple bonus episodes coming out for you so we won't be completely gone for the month but we will be back no later than the beginning of September so don't go too far. Yeah. Don't go on the upside down. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, please rate, review, share, and subscribe so that when we get back for Season 2, you guys are ready to go and you won't miss our return. Yeah. You can check us out on our website. That's going to be at porcelainpeak.com. Or you can shoot us an email at porcelainpeak at gmail.com. Or you can interact with us on any of our socials. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our handle is at porcelainpeak. And don't forget to check us out on Podcoin. And use our code PORCELAIN so you can get 300 bonus coins for signing up. And if PodCoin isn't your preferred listening platform, then you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, and a tiny bit on SoundCloud. But none of those pay you like PodCoin does. (laughs) (laughs) I know I said it a bunch, but I can't emphasize it enough. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with us through Season 1. Thank you so much for tuning in week to week and just having fun with us. We've had a blast doing it again, like I said before, and we hope that you guys have had a blast listening. So as always, thanks. Keep it strange. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.